<laughs> I'm already laughing because this is Bia. I am your podcast host, entrepreneur, and business coach. And this is the last episode of this season. I'm really relieved and glad that this is the last episode just because I am tired, y'all. Doing a podcast is not easy. I mean, okay, I've learned and I really have come to appreciate the process. But anyway, as you can see, or if you're... So my plan is to put this on YouTube. <laughs> so you'll probably see the video at one point. But anyway, I'm excited to be here with y'all today. Today I have a really special guest. You might have guessed already. If you know me or if you followed for a while, you know that the person sitting next to me is my very partner, my very, my like live and true partner, Sean. What's up? <laughs> Let's go. I, so I wanted to do this last episode with him just because I, there was a time when thinking about this podcast felt so impossible. I was thinking about hiring a podcast coach and I still probably would have done it, but I had talked to him about it. And he was someone that said to me, I feel like you can really do this on your own. You just have to put in the work, put in the time and really not be afraid of the process. And that's what happened. And I have been doing this on my own. I've been doing this on my own for a few months now. So I'm really glad that he believed in me enough for myself, to be honest. Uh, so today I wanted to bring in my, my partner, Sean. He is someone that I've known for eight, no, how many years, babe? <laughs> I don't know. Are we counting? Because I don't know either. Nine yeah, years. Nine, yeah. So I've known sure, him for nine, nine years. A world class editor, designer, creative director. He is a person that I really. You have no idea. Like you think that I'm biased, but I really do not think that I'm biased. He is one of the most creative people that I know. Can you tell me your title, babe? To be honest, I don't even know what my title is at this new job. Okay. Um, it was a visual interaction designer before, I guess a product designer, and now I'm a design strategist. So really all of the above. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fancy. Design strategist for? Oh, Samsung. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you turn on your TV and you have one of the latest Samsung TVs, he is part of the design for Samsung TV's interface and user experience. And I'm really proud of him. He is really the reason why I am here right now with y'all doing this podcast, able to be creative in my own way. That really and, goes to your parents, actually. Um, but parents? Yeah, because okay. they birthed you in this world. That's why. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> I, I believe like if you go look at his work, it is I and I'm not I'm really not biased. I strictly believe that I'm not biased because 
his work has you've won awards babe can you tell us some of the awards that you've won i'm blanking uh it's <laughs> honestly i don't care about those awards but yeah a, a few of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no he's won some really prestigious awards he used to work for a company that uh, submitted their work for a design like most interactive design he used to work for a mercedes-benz account at his previous job and his amg website design won the top award for that my point is that he's probably he's not very good at (laughs) and you're getting a sense into like our dynamic but he's not very good at acknowledging that he did something really meaningful and great and so I just want to emphasize that because you did you won those awards you won those awards from your own designs and so I'm really proud of him for that and and it really is really good I'm not saying it just because I'm his wife like I've looked at his work and it's truly incredible the visuals behind it, the design, the colors, they all come together. Very, they just make me feel like, wow, that is some professional shit, you know? <laughs> Which like now I can see like now you're working for Samsung and you're doing some like other really good projects. But anyway, I'm just really happy to like have you here today. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> okay. All right, babe. Anyway, okay, so let's get started. So, Sean, I'm going to call you Sean. Sure. (laughs) That works. Sean actually had started a business. So, this is a podcast about business, right? And I really want to emphasize different business experiences and different experiences where people had an idea and brought it to life as much as they could. And... Sean has that experience. So can you tell me about bankroll? But I want to go back to that time for you. Can you come back to that experience and share with us that journey and essentially the outcome? Yeah, sure. So to be honest, it's not my idea. It was my friend's idea. His name is Rodney. Shout out to Rodney. Shout out to Rodney. Over in New York. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, it was not my idea. It was his idea. So initially, he had already worked on it a long time before he had met me. And so I, I worked with this guy and we started at a mobile advertising company back in the day. And... Then after I left, he had contacted me about wanting to start this up again. So this thing called bankroll, his idea was really around being able to provide a platform for pro and some pro gamblers to track their gamblings online. So we had a bunch of discussions and we decided that it's something that we want to pursue together. And so we start on that journey. So he's a full stack developer. So essentially what that means is he is an engineer that codes both front end and back end. And I was going to be the designer on the, on the project and this new, I'd say endeavor. And, and so 
I was handling everything from UX design to design to marketing to anything that's creative. And then he handled everything that has had to do with the website and platform in terms of coding. And it was a lot of work. And we we did a, a bunch of work for two years straight to about two and a half years, I'd say. We can get into the details for sure. We had also another person that worked on that project with us, but we had to quote unquote, let him go because he wasn't really pulling his weight. And we had to hire some people on the outside at some freelancers. And it was a long process. And at the end of it, when we were launching, I'd say our so-called beta, it gained some traction. We did see some, I'd say some signups, but not a lot. And we were trying our hardest to push the the product out into the world, but it just never came to fruition. And we decided that I think this is it. We should shut it down. So after it went live for about six months or so, we decided to just call it quits because we were paying for the servers. It didn't make any sense. And so we pretty much in my mind, it was a very rough, I'd say two, two and a half years leading up into that. And it didn't feel good. So that's pretty much how it ended. And whenever I bring it up with Rodney now, it's just something we we know we did together and it failed. And it wasn't a great time, I'd say. It wasn't a great time. What do you mean by it wasn't a great time? It wasn't a great time after the fact or it wasn't a great time during the building process? Well, it's a culmination of everything, right? Because so at that time, I had quit that job. I left that job to work at another advertising agency and I I was already slammed at that job. I lived in Harlem at that point. And like I said, this new company, I was working late, six, seven o'clock and that company was in Midtown. And I had to essentially travel uptown back to Harlem, take Bailey out, right? Drop Bailey back off and then come back all the way downtown. And we were meeting by Chelsea, can't remember what the, the intersection was, but basically it was by Chelsea and we would meet at this coffee shop. It's called Think Coffee. And it's funny because every time we go there, Ronnie would tell me like, when we're successful, we're going to buy Think Coffee <laughs> because we're going to be so rich. We're going to buy Think Coffee because we're, we're here almost every night. And I essentially, after work, take Billy out, go all the way uptown, take Billy out, come back downtown, meet up with him, work till like 10, 11 o'clock. We'd go to a chicken spot and get chicken and then go back home. And that's literally like, I'd say three times, three times a week. And that's what, that, that's pretty much what we do. Mm-hmm. And it was like that for a good a year, year and a half. Although like the full journey was like two, two and a half years. But at the beginning, we had to do a lot of that because we were working together. So it was just back and forth three times a week. And it was brutal. And it was, I mean, I was young. But at the same time, I don't think it was, it was easy. It was yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think now that you think back to that time, and I think that a lot of folks can relate to this idea of working and really trying to get things perfect and right. Because the way that I, when you tell me the story, and and even back then, because we started dating basically around the time that you were starting this. Yeah, so we had met towards the end of this journey for you and so I remember you traveling downtown and doing this 
and really putting a lot of work. I remember you had asked your close friends to test out the service, to give you feedback. <clears throat> and and I, so I remember all of that work. And I think that a lot of folks will have a an experience or may think that before launching something that all of this work needs to be put in. You need to know your target audience. You need to have everything set up in terms of the website and having, and just to clarify, like this was going to be a website, right? Yeah, it was going to be a website that could work on desktop and, and mobile. So it was, it was a responsive site. Like, what was your vision around this, like, launch of this business? Like so, yeah, it would it would have been online. And since it's responsive, you would be able to pull out your phone and be able to track it. So I think the vision, at least from our point of view, was that if, let's just say, you were gambling, and this, mind you, this was, what, in 2013, 2012, 2013? So it was kind of like the beginning of the... I'd say the rise of the apps era and then platforms starting to kind of emerge. And so this was really mobile web and it was designed for the quote unquote future. So it was, the idea was that the vision would be people would go to go gamble, say in Vegas, whatever, they could pull out their phone, try their gamblings, right? Put in what, what they need. And it was, according to Rodney, it was something that I think was common back in the day and people would actually pull out notepads to track manually using a pen and paper. And so we wanted to make that digital. So that was the idea. Okay. It was like a website that they could utilize and it was targeted for gambling, people who were gamblers. Yeah, like pro, semi-pro gamblers. Okay. Yeah. So how did you figure out if this was like a necessary solution? Like how much time and research did you spend on figuring out if this was something that was really a problem you know and and I even thinking about laws in New York and back then there was a lot of like laws against gambling in New York in yeah. particular right so like was that something that you thought about or was there and I'm saying all of this because like now that was 2012 2013 almost 10 years ago so like now in hindsight do you have a sense of what you didn't do what you could have done better if maybe even the timing of this product was not the right timing for it like maybe it needed to catch up you know what I'm saying yeah so I'm wondering if you have a sense of what happened and what could have been done better during that time yeah. So I think to your first point, number one is we didn't do any market research, right? Mm. We're just going off of an idea. And we didn't know what the product would become or whether it would actually make sense in that in that ecosystem, in the in the gambling world, I'd say. And then number two, as well, we were both very new to building something from ground up, uh, essentially a digital product. And so we didn't know what the pitfalls were. And so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's like that whole idea of building from the ground up, right? Like, I feel like that is like a 
experience that a lot of people like want to get to like it's like there's there's this romanticization or romanticized version of business where it's like you get to build something from the ground up and like that's the that's the main premise of building a business when in reality there's a lot deeper work that needs to happen so um, would you feel would you say that that's what kept motivating you in a sense where you were building something from scratch yeah so two two and a half years i spent on it yes it was brutal but at the same time it was it was fun right i know it's it's contradictory it's a paradox but there's this sense that we were working towards something that was not part of someone else's thought part of someone else's idea it was ours to own we owned it we had ownership of it we could drive the vision we could drive what we wanted to do um, and i think that's what a lot of people in the i'd say entrepreneurship world are out there to do because they're building from ground up their vision mm-hmm. and they get people around them that may be like-minded or may, maybe not to be part of that journey with them yeah and that kind of and of course i was young and i really want to build something and so that gave me a lot more drive yeah but okay now with that experience though you know just like from my own perspective and just my own the way that i'm receiving the story is I think that's where we get caught up in this whole idea of entrepreneurship. It's like this idea of wanting to create something from the ground up. Like that is what is first in our minds as to what's motivating us to continue on this journey, right? But I think it's important to bring it back and reel it back and say like, that may be a good motivator but at the end of the day it's not going to be something that is going to actually create something useful you know yeah well it's all that and the thought of trying to be rich like yeah exactly right like there's that too exactly so like you know when we think about entrepreneurship and just like different points of view there's points of view of okay, I want to have my own schedule. I want to have be my own boss. I want to create something. There's all these different values that go into the, what you would say, allure of like entrepreneurship. It's like you get to create something of your own from your own ideas. And what's even greater is that if it's your own idea and you did it, it's like now you get paid for it. And I feel... Eventually. Yeah, maybe. maybe, but I feel like that's like the Silicon Valley idea of entrepreneurship, <laughs> I feel, right? With that, there's, yes, of course, there's really successful firms that have been able to get to a place where they are able to actually, like, obviously, we've seen a lot of that. We've seen, like, delivery, meal delivery services. We've seen the transformation of, of transportation like with uber and with lyft google is obviously one of the pioneers of the space 
And then now we see a lot of other firms that are trying to model that same trajectory. But in terms of just the idea of starting a business, just that alone, right? How has your view or like your perception changed from that, the allure of building something, the allure of bringing my own idea to life and getting paid for it, to how you think about it now? Like, how has it changed? And what would you say to someone that perhaps has come into the entrepreneurial space as someone that's like allured by this idea of bringing their own idea to life? What would you say to someone who maybe was in, is in your shoes 20, 10 years ago? How would you change that view for them? So I would say, and to be honest, I would say, keep going until you can't. And I'm going to have to disagree with you. Okay, sure. But why would you say like, like, what would you say? Keep going until you can't. What would you say? Because that's how I felt. And I don't regret doing all that stuff, right? Of course, there are nuances to how you approach the work. But from just a pure vision standpoint, from a pure drive standpoint, you should keep going until you can't. And for everybody, the can't part of it is different. It looks different for everybody. No, I right? understand. So it's you keep going until you, you can't do it anymore, right? And the keep going part, I can give you all the advice I, that I've kind of learned from my experience, right? So like I said, there are nuances that I can tell you and kind of teach you so that you don't experience the same pitfalls I, I have. But entrepreneurship doesn't just involve digital products. There are different, a bunch of different entrepreneurship and like different industries. Yeah. Right? So. No, but what I'm saying is like, because when I think, when you think back to that time of working with Rodney, you were just working until you couldn't, right? You did that for two and a half years and then did, and it you learned you learned that you didn't do the market research. You yeah. didn't yeah. do the necessary research that you needed to do. But mm -hmm. like why why do you think like you continue I just feel like did you learn? <laughs> yeah. No, one hundred percent I learned. But I think what you're asking me is like, what would, to me, you're saying in general, what would you say to myself? No, like, say, like to, what have you learned from the fact that you did that? And like, now that you've learned that that's. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So if that's the case, yeah. To be very specific about just digital products and. No, but about, not just, just digital products, uh -huh. like entrepreneurship in general, like. Uh, yeah. So, so I think that's a tough one because there's, there's no, there's no right answer in, in starting your own business. There's no right answer. No, Everyone no, just does their no own right thing, answer. Right? Yeah. yeah. But from what you've learned, right? I'm sure you've had lessons. If you could do this, if you were to say, I'm going to try this again, what would you okay. change? Right. So I think the first thing would be doing a little bit more market research. 
So figure out who our target audience is, if the needs there, if there's a market gap, right? That's number one for sure. Number but what is what does that look like? That looks like either doing just interviews with people that could be our target audience. So for example, some are pro gamblers or pro gamblers, talking to them, going to Vegas, flying to Vegas, talking to people, right? Doing interviews just ad hoc, right? And we could do it scrappy too. It doesn't have to be anything formal, but just finding that there is a market problem, right? For exactly for that need. Mm-hmm. Number two would be, I think, and this is something that I still believe should be the case for a lot of specifically because in my experience just product startups digital product startups is move fast move quick right you're not sitting here for two years trying to build something because you're trying to be perfectionist you're trying to put something out there so people can use it so you can get market validation Mm. right and can you talk more about market validation so market validation really just means that if you've done your research you've identified that there is a market problem or there's a market gap, that that gap is something that can be fulfilled. Mm. That's what market validation is. So if you put, say, a product out there, I don't know, stickies, right? Mm-hmm. You have stickies, you put the product out there just to test it to see if people buy it, and if people buy it, that means you, you get validated that there is a need for stickies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's market validation. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and number three. Right. So the, I'd say there are tons of things I've learned for sure. But I'd say the third biggest thing would be marketing. Marketing and advertising, especially back to my experience with digital products specifically, I think is getting the word out there. And I'm not just saying marketing is like, oh, let's pay for some marketing or pay for some advertising. It's more of word of mouth, being open with it, with other people in the industry, with other people who are not in the industry, just being open to getting feedback, period, right? Mm -hmm. That to me is also advertising slash marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Getting the word out there. Because I think when we were working on it, we were very much in a silo and we... Yeah, we did some testing here and there with friends, friends of friends, stuff like that, but never really just opening up to the world and letting them know that we're working on this and getting feedback, right? That, honestly, it should be a cycle where it's a feedback loop that just keeps going nonstop, iterative. Today, I'm getting feedback. Tomorrow, I'm getting feedback. The next day, I'm getting feedback, right? We're not necessarily going to make changes every single time. It's just getting feedback to know that we're on the right path, that this is viable, that this is something we should continue pursuing. Okay. Now, where, what, what would it look like to get that feedback? What do you mean? I know you mentioned that you tested out with friends, friends of friends, but what, what would you specifically do to get this to more people so today is easy right you there's product hunt there's again there's products so product hunt you could do reddit you could do any forum right you could have done that back in the day too 
but I think for us, it was very specific. I think it would have to be people who were actually gamblers, right? Getting feedback from them directly, whether it's, again, like I said, interviews, going up to people, talking to them. And Ronnie had friends who gambled and stuff, so he could have gotten feedback from them. Okay, well, I feel like we can talk about failure. I feel like failure is a big part of entrepreneurship, right? Like it's it's a hard truth, but it's a common truth. And so when did you come to this realization like we're done? This is not working. Whether you didn't do or did do what you at this point felt like in hindsight you could have done. But like back then, when did you begin to know, okay, this is done. We're going to call it quits. When was that point for you? I think this really came down to the fact that we were spending money that we weren't getting back. That was pretty much it. Okay. And we, again, we were young. Oh, I was young. Ronnie was probably not that young. He's calling you out, Ronnie. You're old. He's not that young. (laughs) I think it reached a point where, obviously, we didn't have the money. And to be honest, we also actually did do this pitch to not an investor specifically, but it was like, I'd say it was sort of like an incubator. And we had passed the first round. Can you talk? Can you just say... Really quick, what is an incubator? So an incubator is essentially, I'd say, an entity that brings or gets a bunch of startups from a very beginning stage together to incubate on their ideas together. So like, for example, you have, let's just say Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, they were all kind of like at the very beginning stages, they would pitch to these incubators and if the incubator wants to invest in it, they would bring them in as part of their entity and they would help facilitate the growth. So it's like it incubates the idea into a product. Yeah. So think of it of like as um, a baby incubator, you know, when you put a baby in an incubator, the whole purpose of an incubator for that baby is to help it thrive. And that's what essentially an incubator is called for a startup. It's like a startup is a baby. So that's the way I think about it. It's like you put it in an incubator and that incubator is injected with everything and anything that it needs to survive and to thrive. Obviously, it doesn't always work, but most of the time it does because it's invested it has investments from venture capitalists and a lot of resources. And so that is what is an incubator. Do babies get injected with stuff in and incubators? Babies, yes, ba- babies in incubators, their whole purpose of a baby to be in an incubator is to help it live. <laughs> yeah, but do they get injected with stuff? Yes, they get injected with anything they need to help it survive. Oh. Most of most babies in incubators are preemies, are babies that have a low chance of survival. So oh, interesting. Yeah. The more you know. 
I mean, that's that's why they call it an incubator. Sure. <laughs> so we talked about incubator. So you pitched it to incubator and... Well, no, sort of an incubator. I think this person had a company or a, an organization that I think would invest part of a good, a bit of their money and not, they wouldn't necessarily incubate you because they wouldn't provide resources, but they would help in terms of guidance. I think we passed the first round and then they had called us back. And then I think they said that you, you guys should try the next round. And so that sort of ended there. Okay. Yeah. How were you able to navigate those feelings of you've put in this amount of time you've invested this amount of time into this to this what you envision to be a startup a business a something that would came from your own head how did you come to this resolution it didn't work let's move on you mean how i felt yeah about the whole situation mm-hmm. and how did you deal with it I mean, to uh, be honest, let me just say, during this time, I was just dating you. And? And? I was like, babe, do you feel? <laughs> I honestly do not remember that. No, but like, not like in a feel, but like, it was hard for you to express your feelings. Yeah. I, I mean, it felt as if, I got hit by a truck. But you didn't say psychologically. it. Psychologically. Yeah, you didn't say that. No. I think I was dealing with it on my own terms and in my own way. It didn't feel like anything right after. But I think over time, I felt it. Over time. It didn't... Even one year after that, I didn't feel like because uh, we pretty much both Ronnie and I actually tried again almost immediately after I think it was like six seven months after and we would try again like come up with ideas and stuff and mm. I guess we just couldn't and I think Ronnie doesn't want to he doesn't want to admit this but he was <laughs> burnt out Ugh. he didn't he mentioned it to me like maybe a couple of years after it's like yeah I think I'm burnt out by back roll. Like, yeah. And so yeah. what you're saying is that you are just two typical men not expressing your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's the case. Okay. okay. Patriarchy. Okay. <laughs> but okay, now that you are here though, like here? Yeah, now Where? that you're here. 10 years later. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm still alive. Yep. Kicking and possibly not screaming just yet. But No, I just want to call that in because, you know, we've been together for eight years, nine years, nine years, going on nine years. And that experience of you starting that, like you've always had this very entrepreneurial spirit. You've always had a drive to really want to create and to bring something 
to the world. And so, do you feel like you still want that? Like, I know, like, now you're, you know, you're working for one of the biggest companies in the world. To be honest, like, Samsung is like a worldwide company, right? You, you don't have just any role like you have a role that is a leadership role within the company and you know that's sort of like you're you're bringing in your business experience from what you did with bankroll into this role but you're also bringing in your creative side into this role which is like you're literally creating you know a user experience once when people turn their tvs on so how do you see your self now in this role when we think about jobs and when we think about versus a job where you can bring the same type of impact right like you're working for a world-renowned company you know so what you're doing with samsung is what you were trying to do with bankroll but I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, really? it's totally different. I mean, it's totally different, but it's still on that scale. Like Samsung, like what you do with Samsung, it's on a large scale. Yeah, bankroll is a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller, but it's smaller because it didn't get to that scale, right? Sure, but I think the, I think the inherent, drive is very different for something that is your own versus something that is not your own exactly but so what different. i'm saying is like the impact like the impact is still huge not necessarily it just depends on what you're working on like if it was bankroll it was it was a niche product it, the impact would have just been gamblers semi-prone programmers so it's totally different i'd say no I know that the the already the audience is different, but what I'm saying is like the impact itself, like your the impact that you're creating within Samsung. It's not like when people turn on the, their TVs, they see your name in the corner and know that you're the one that designed that. But like that is still your work. Like that's like, you know. Sure, I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel that way. Why not? Because I I think to me it's different i think when you're starting your own business it's your vision it's your idea it's your it's but your just... vision and your ideas are embedded in the work you do right now it's very distilled it's very distilled mm. it's a, like you said it's a huge company so huge company means what their vision sure but it means that there are a lot of people and if there are a lot of people there are a lot of opinions. There are a lot of opinions. There are a lot of decisions made that are not your own. But so, what is the difference between that and like you running your own company and having a whole bunch of people being part of that? Well, at the beginning, it's just you and somebody else, right? It's like, for example, it's me and Ronnie before, right? And who makes those calls to make a change in your vision? It's us, two of us. Are you saying you're a narcissist? No. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm narcissist, but like you, for example, if you were sitting here and you're, you're building via boss coaching, 
what you say goes. Am I right? Because just you, if you had 20 other people have opinions about what you do, it's a little different. The feeling is a little different. You don't necessarily drive the vision. Yeah, you have a vision at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's what you say will go. Mm-hmm. There's a filter. I mean, I feel that's what's important about entrepreneurship is that there's so much range. Like entrepreneurship is very, there's a spectrum of what it looks like. Right. I do believe that there's a spectrum of entrepreneurship of like how people think about it. And I think how you think about it can impact the way that the way you perceive it, if that makes sense. There's a perception and then there's also the way that you operate within it. Mm -hmm. And when they don't align, I think it's when it doesn't feel authentic and it doesn't feel good or maybe like you give up or you pursue something different i guess what i'm trying to say is like now that you've experienced that and now that you are in a different role and maybe it's not your company but you're still in a big role in a big company how do you see yourself moving forward within your own vision of entrepreneurship? So I think for me, I still have that drive. I still want to do something, Mm -hmm. but it's fading and it's fading fast. Mm. I got you, babe. (laughs) Don't go. Don't go. You're so talented. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thanks for that, by the way. That's great. Uh, it's tough. And I think partly because we have a vision for our future. So that's always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was younger before. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't still start something when you have family, kids, etc. Mm-hmm. But... It's another thing to think about, right? Yeah. You can't just throw caution to the wind and be whatever, do whatever you want. Even now, I'm already thinking about, oh, we're trying to save for a house or when we have kids, etc. So it's different. And I honestly, from an energy standpoint, I don't think I, I mean, I'm still doing what I'm doing with, with Amos, mm-hmm. right? I'm still doing... By the way, I'm still trying to pursue this other thing called Two Matches, and we're working on it. It's a a B2B platform for brick-and-mortar businesses to sell their, or work together to sell their overstock Mm -hmm. of inventory, essentially. Mm -hmm. That already exists today, but we're putting a bit of a spin on it. And we're going about it, honestly, in a, a different way than I, what I did with Banco. But still, any regardless, my point is that even with what I'm doing there, it's I don't feel as if I have the same drive as I did what felt like 
500 years ago. <laughs> okay. I know. But here's the thing. I... No, thank you for... So one, I want to say thank you for being honest. Thank you for sharing your story, for sharing where you're at. I am, like, it's really interesting to me that, you know, as partners, I obviously, I am pursuing my own version of, of entrepreneurship. Like, I'm pursuing my own version of business and what it means to me to own a business and i i find it really interesting that we have very different experiences of entrepreneurship and also views about it i feel regardless of that i'm still really inspired just by your belief in what I'm trying to do right and and so shut up I mean there's like that like without the support without your support I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing yeah I'm always gonna be here for you I know I know cheese but I obviously want you to also pursue like your own version of entrepreneurship. And we've talked about what it looks like for us to bring those two together. Right. And so like, I'm so hopeful that we can do this and bring that together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to like share that because I feel that when it comes to couples and each person, aspiring for different things like there still has to be some sort of way where you can see both of your dreams coming true and somehow both coming to fruition from each other's own like me supporting you and you supporting me and like I don't know what that looks like I don't know what that like I don't know what that looks like in the future. But right now the way it looks like it's I'm doing this podcast. I'm trying to build this business, this coaching business. I have my own view of what it looks like for me to build my business. I'm learning my own concepts about entrepreneurship and business in general. And while you have your own interpretations of what that looks like and what your own knowledge and information, like we talk a lot about, you inform a lot of my own knowledge, right? But I'm also now, I feel like now I'm teaching you as well, like about what that could look like. And so I feel like we're both feeding into each other's interpretation of what it means to be an entrepreneur and maybe it hasn't fully come together yet but i think in the future it will come together more seamlessly if that makes sense i don't know what that looks like but yeah that's the hope but if you're out there like have these conversations with your partner to be honest like i think that they inform 
your own sense of entrepreneurship. It informs their sense of like your own dreams and goals. And like it all comes together in the somehow in the end. Yep. Crickets. That's the, I mean, that's the hope. But honestly, even if it doesn't, it's okay, right? That's okay. I mean, like I said, I think we have a lot in our minds about the future. And I've honestly... I mean, I know, but like, I still have my own interpretation of what the future looks like for me and for the two of us. Yeah, but I guess if you are specifically referring to entrepreneurship. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I honestly don't think that I would be able to... I can, at least in this moment in time, I don't see myself ever leaving entrepreneurship at all. Right. Like, even if it does, if it's like coaching isn't what I'm doing, but if I do something completely different, the point is that I still want to create something that's mine, Hmm. you know, um, or even if we create something together, but that it's like, I was able to put into that. I was able Hmm. to contribute to that. That's entrepreneurship to me. So are you a narcissist? Yes. <laughs> are we all narcissists? That's the that is the name of this episode. Yeah. Are we all narcissists? Are you a narcissist? I think we all are in some way. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. But either way, I think that's the challenge with entrepreneurship. It's like, how do you remove your own self from like the overall goal? It's like, how do you continue to think about the people that you're serving and balance the idea of you wanting to create something of your own, but also serve the audience that you're serving? Like, it's not bad that sometimes you forget about that, but like, that can be the only thing that drives your motivation for starting something. Yeah. Would you say that was your biggest mistake? What what was my biggest With bankroll? What? It's like, I mean, you didn't do market research. You had to do market research. That's yeah. The people, there's people that you're trying to like help or like solve a problem for. Yeah. We did research, but not necessarily like, going to talk to people mm-hmm. on the ground. Was it your narcissist ways that kept motivating you? <laughs> no. Uh, that, no. I think it was just... I trusted Rodney, right? Mm-hmm. And I trusted his idea. And I did my own minimal research online. And it seemed like there was a need for it. And we didn't we didn't sit there and think, oh, it's going to take us two and a half years to build this. And we we didn't know it was going to take two and a half years. We thought it was going to be like six months, eight months, right? That would have put us at a point where we just launched something and just test it. But we didn't. Unfortunately, we didn't. You don't know until you know. So. Well, there's something they say in the Silicon Valley world is fail fast. 
Right. It's like fell fast. Fell fast and, and fit often, often. Mm-hmm. Fell fast and fell often. It's like, which at one point I think I didn't really agree with that, but now I'm like, I can see why, I guess. But like, you need to have balls, right? Like, you need to like fucking have the audacity. I think just in general, no one likes to fail. It's no, not. I know, but what I'm saying is like the process of failing fast is is like oh, okay, fine. Like like I'm saying, there has to be a mindset around fuck it. I'm gonna do whatever, and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna move on. Versus like people that take a little. It's like jumping off a cliff. Some people like don't give a fuck and just like jump off the cliff, and some people brace themselves, right? So there's the moment of bracing yourself is sometimes the work that you need to do to finally jump. Yeah, I mean, that's me, right? Like I'm risk averse, so I wouldn't take that leap. All right. What else do you want to say, babe? That's all I got. That's all, folks. Okay, Looney Tunes. <laughs> all right. I want to thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. You're always welcome. I swear he's not always like this, you guys. He's not always this weird and robotic. But, like, you know... What are the lessons? What are the lessons that we've learned? I hope you took away some lessons from this. You know, <laughs> what's wrong with that face? Why did you make that face? I don't know, because didn't we already talk about those lessons? Yeah, it was a rhetorical question. Uh, I don't know. Okay, got it, got it. Oh my God, this is why I don't do podcasts with him. This is the last podcast I ever do with him episode. He's the worst. But I, what are the lessons we learned? Let me know. Come back to the comments. You know, I think every story has their own takeaways, has their own <laughs> interpretation of how like you come to it. And either way, we can all learn something from the failures that we share. And regardless of those failures, somehow we still always come back to our purpose, our work, our talent, which is what I think happened with you. You're still using your talent and still using that talent in a very significant way. Even though you may not feel like it, I always have to remind him that he's talented and he's always like, "Uh, I'm not talented. Whatever, it's not enough. But um, if you check out his his portfolio and you check out his designs you'll see how talented he is and it's not an accident that samsung of all companies hired you like they hired you for a reason and you're doing a lot of amazing work for them and i hope you know that Anything else before we wrap up? No, I I just want to say that it was great to be here today. We had a lot of fun. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, 
Okay. And it was it was a good conversation. And I would urge you listeners out there, share your story. It'd be great to hear from all of you. I think, like my wife said, share your stories and we can all learn from them. We are all humans anyway, and we are a community. So let's help each other out. How about that? <laughs> With that, I'm signing off. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> Thanks. All right, y'all. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around with us. Like, you can see how I have so much fun with him because he's someone that I can truly be myself with, learn from. And he can learn from me. We've learned from each other. So I hope this was useful. I hope this was helpful. Let us know what you thought come back and this is our final episode like i said in the beginning our final episode and um i'm so happy that i got to do it with someone that is my partner and i love so much i love you (laughs) cheesy we're not gonna kiss in front of the camera no pda here all right have a great rest of your week and see y'all soon bye